Thank you for joining me tonight on a discussion on boundaries. Um, you know, I pre-recorded this topic twice already. This is my third take, which is insane to me. Insane. I don't know what it is about this episode that is just, it's it, It's like I'm, I'm trying to say it and it's just not quite getting out the way I want it to get out. So hopefully third time's a charm and I can send the information that I need to send to you guys in the most um, effective way. So today's discussion is on boundaries, like I said, and what we're going to find out today is what are they? What are boundaries? And how are boundaries formed? You know, where do we get them from? Where do we learn them from? And also, why are we not making boundaries if we are lacking those boundaries? Um, And finally, what are we going to do about it? So that's how it's going to roll tonight on this episode. So hang in with me because you're really going to benefit. Boundaries are probably one of the more common discussions I have with clients when I'm seeing them for counseling. And it is because they come in and they want to vent about their partner. They want to vent about their work. They want to vent about their stress. And what they're not realizing is the undertone of all of that is that they may have difficulty with boundaries, making them, enforcing them both So that's why this is going to be very beneficial for you. If you are very stressed and have too much on that plate, you need to listen to this. If you are in a relationship where you're not meeting your own emotional needs in there and it's not working out, something is not working out, stick around. Maybe you'll find something here. Um, If you are uh, finding that, you know, your boundaries at work, are becoming extreme or your behavior at work is becoming extreme. You're either overworking or underworking. This is for you too. Uh, so let's talk about boundaries because it's, um, defining it will help you get closer to how to deal with it. So I've decided to give you a definition that I think is more of what I'm talking about because the mainstream definition of boundaries, it, It doesn't really help out when it comes to um, defining the action step of how to make one. It's more of an abstract concept and it's it's not tangible. So the way I'm going to define it is going to help you kind of get a better perspective, a clearer perspective of what you need to be doing when when we talk boundaries. Okay, so a boundary is another way that um, a person defines their priorities. Okay, that's that's the best way to describe it, and I have to describe it this way because it's an it's an action step in some form. It it you identify your priority. That's how you determine what the boundary that you need to make is. So whether you're at work, you're at school, uh, you're in a relationship where you need boundaries, 
whether it's about your daily schedule, whether it's a relationship with your family, your parents, all of those are where you need your boundaries. So boundaries are, in a way, a balancing tool for your life. It helps us maintain certain uh, rules that help us out when we work so we don't overextend at work and at home so we don't check out and become emotionally available or not meet our needs at home. So in a lot of ways, boundaries is going to help you balance out your life in areas of your life where you need balance. They're really important. That's how important they are. They, they will be the difference between whether you're stressed or not stressed. So very important for you to know that. How do boundaries form in our life? Well, I think it's best to talk about childhood because you'll get an idea of maybe how you grew up and which factors played into this development of your boundaries. So I kind of set it up to where there are three types of boundary settings in a family system. One that's loose. You have loose boundaries, which is kind of an extreme then you have the other extreme, which is more rigid boundaries, very rigid, strict boundaries. And then somewhere in the middle, which is healthier, is the, the, the flexible boundary setting. So I'll describe each one of those so this way you would know where it might apply to you, if it does. So the first is the loose boundary uh, setting or household family system. Um, in this type of setting, there are no clear rules. Everybody's boundaries kind of fuzzy. You know, people are walking in on each other's <laughs> uh, rooms without any knocking. There is no privacy in that type of family. There's no respect for physical or mental boundaries at that point. People in that family tend to be overreactive, impulsive, because the boundaries are so blurry. And when a person is angry in that family, usually they kind of feel entitled to let everybody know that they're angry and um, everybody has to accommodate them or even get angry back at them. So there's a lot of yelling going on there, like too much yelling, okay? Not just your regular, you know, every once in a while yelling. No, this is a lifestyle of chaos in this family. This is also where you're going to see drug and alcohol extremes in this type of setting because again once the boundaries are pretty loose the roles in parent and child can be inverted so the child can become the parent and the parent can become the child so sexual abuse is also pretty thriving in that type of setting as well because the boundaries are loose uh, nobody's monitoring nobody's supervising there's no real uh, type of parenting there very very loose okay our next type of setting is going to be the rigid setting. I'm going to go from extremes and I'm going to get you somewhere back in the middle, okay? But I'll do the extremes. So you've got the other extreme of rigid boundaries or the household that has rigid boundaries usually has kind of strict type of parenting. Uh, the children's emotions are not really valued or respected for that matter. Um, they're, sometimes they're not even heard. Children usually were meant to kind of obey blindly. They don't question. They just do. The severe consequences sometimes for the actions. Inflexible. Very inflexible type of environment. 
You know, there's only one way to do it, one way or the highway. In this case, this is where secrecy thrives. And also you can see the extreme of sexual abuse happening there as well. Because uh, that's where that that's really well matched with secrecy. It goes very well with it. So I hope that kind of gives you an idea of the rigid boundaries. And then, of course, the middle would be flexible boundaries. And this is what we want to kind of see uh, in parenting, in uh, the home life, flexible, and even in yourself, flexible boundaries. And it's usually characterized by a collaboration between parent parent and child, so the parent system and child. And it's less dictatorship-like, you know, and more of a teamwork effort. The child's feelings in this family is respected uh, or are respected. And the physical boundaries are also respected. So they're allowed to have their physical boundaries. They're, they're allowed their opinion and they're not being punished for it. Rules in this household are usually flexible. They're not rigid rules like, or lots of rules like the rigid household. They're much more flexible and uh, well thought out. We don't just have rules to have rules because we want to be in authority. We want to be in control. No, these are well thought out rules. And they change with the evolving of the children and the parents. So it's a good thing to have rules that change, that are flexible, that grow with the family, right? And mod- get mod- gets modified to accommodate whatever change that happens. It's a wonderful thing. So those are the uh, basic, and I'm oversimplifying as usual, uh, basic types of boundary settings that we experienced growing up. And even now as parents, what types of boundary setting do we have at home is what I really would like you to consider. All right. So what are the benefits to having boundaries? And boundaries really are a form of protection. They help us establish safety if we need it, as in physical safety, and also emotional safety. So uh, physical safety would be like having boundaries when it comes to in a relationship, your partner is a physically abusive and you say to yourself that if a man or a woman ever hits me in a relationship, I'm leaving. And you do that. When they hit you, if they hit you, you leave. And that's what I mean by boundaries. It's an important boundary to have. But again, not everybody who gets hit leaves. That's not very common. As a matter of fact, a lot of people will stay in the abusive relationship, believe it or not, um, and carry and play that out. Another way to discuss safety as in mental safety in the use and, and using boundaries is with family. A lot of people really don't like their families, and but they have to interact with them. So what they decide to do is emotionally have boundaries with them so they don't expect much from them. Uh, They don't expect that they're going to treat them any different or that they will all of a sudden um, become a nurturer if they've never been a nurturer or care if they've never cared. They don't really make those expectations because they know they will become disappointed. So there's no reason to get yourself all set up. And that that's actually a great boundary uh, for emotional safety. Yeah. 
So those are the two types of examples that I can come up with here that uh, will help you figure out, you know, what types of boundaries that you would like to make. Is it for emotional safety? Is it for physical safety? Also, your boundaries tells people, more so indirectly than directly, what is important to you, right? So for example, with the, uh, the instance where, uh, let's say my partner beats me and I don't, I, I say that I'm going to leave, but I never leave. And I start making excuses for them like, oh, it was just this one time they were drunk. They had a bad childhood, what have you. Um, and then I take them back. This is sending an indirect message uh, that this is not a priority for you. Safety is not a priority for you. Your self-respect is not a priority for you. Your, your well-being is not a priority for you. Okay, so it's usually an indirect thing because you can tell them, oh, I don't like to be hit, but what are you doing about it, right? You give, you're sending a different message when you're not doing what you believe that you need to do. Boundaries tell people what is important to you. For example, at work, I'm currently self-employed. I contract as a counselor, but before I got into contracting, I was a full-time employee always. I had a steady income. And I had uh, insurance, I had medical insurance, I had um, a 401k, I I was set up. But after I got pregnant and um, had my baby, it changed things in me. It became a priority and urge to be with my son. So money was not a priority, it became being with my son. And so... When I got hired as a contract counselor in a clinic, I was really shocked when I was asked, which hours would you like to work? And I thought, well, this is what I wanted. I wanted them to ask me that, but I couldn't figure out what I needed to to say. At that point, I kind of sat with myself and I thought about my boundaries. And I remembered them. My boundary, what's priority for me was my son my son. So everything I did from that point on, every decision I made would support me being with my son more often, me having the flexibility in my schedule to do that. I went back to work and I gave them my schedule and um, had to stick to it. I really had to stick to it. There were times where I was afraid because I didn't see clients consistently at first. And so I thought, well, I'm not going to be able to pay my bills, my mortgage, what have you. I won't be able to provide for my son. But sure enough, I just kept on going. You know, I had, I had a feeling this is what I'm supposed to do. And I, I, I just kept on going. And yeah, I, I didn't let the fear kind of step in the middle of my priority. I knew what my priority was and I stuck to it. And funny enough, at first, everybody at work was kind of like, oh, you only work up until this time. And they kind of were questioning, you know, what what a strange boundary. You know, everybody works from like eight to five or, you know, nine to five. And, and I, I had a much, much more limited schedule than that. And many would try to sneak a, a little, can you, you know, you if you want more hours, if you want to work. And every time I had to stand by my priority and what I knew was right, which is to say no, even with my fear, because I thought they would just go ahead and fire me and they'd find somebody who's more flexible with their schedule. But that didn't happen. The fear wasn't real. The fear wasn't real. And I, I stayed on and um, I'm very grateful for that, for that position and um, for what I do. And so, and for the flexibility, very grateful for that. But again, I needed the boundary for this to happen. It was a risk 
to take, but I'm so glad I took it. It helped me maturely develop and make important boundaries at work, which was very difficult for me before because I was always at work. I was either at work or at home or doing something else, but usually I was at work a lot. I escaped a lot to work. I got my value from being at work all the time. So funny enough, when I had my son, it shifted my priorities and it made it pretty darn clear. So I'm very grateful for my son for helping me do that. Um, He was the perfect excuse to get my boundaries in check. All right. So I hope that gives you a little bit of an idea of how we tell people what's important to us. And for me, for example, for me at work, it was, I told them what was important to me. And, and now they know, they know Tala only works from this time to this time because they know she's out by a certain time. And when they see me kind of say a little later, maybe typing up paperwork or what have you, usually they ask me, Hey Tala, you're not home yet. You're not out of here yet. And so I love that they appreciate and know my boundaries and respect them. So that's what's really important about this is that you guys don't know that, you know, what you're trying, what you're fearing from the beginning when before you make a boundary is really doesn't exist. But I'll talk about that in, in a little bit. Another um, issue that your boundaries help you fix up is they help you organize, manage your daily life without being overwhelmed. If you're ever feeling overwhelmed, too much on your plate, uh, you're spread too thin or whatever saying we tend to engage in like it's... Like stress is happening to me and I'm not happening to it. Like I have no control over the stress. Um, whatever that saying is, it help, keeps you in denial of the fact that you are actually responsible for whatever you put on that plate and you are responsible for taking it right off. So your boundaries help you organize. I can say what my schedule is going to be like and if I am over committing today, I'm very aware of that and I take the responsibility to say no. Yep, I say no. Some people will tell me, well, I feel bad. I feel blah, blah. And we'll talk about that, what that means in a, in a little bit. But I just want to kind of tell you that if you check out your priorities when it comes to your daily routine, you will not be overdoing anything. You will not be over committing. You will only do what, what is priority for you. And from there, you can do things and you don't have to label all of them as priority. You just label what your priority is. So for me, my priority is to be at home with my son when it comes to work. I want to be flexible at work so I can be home with my son when I when I need to be and as much as I can be. So at work, I, I don't make just paperwork a priority. I don't make reports that I have to do a priority. I don't make emails a priority. Not everything is a priority. That's too much. That's too much. Not everything has to be done all of it right away. I don't have to worry. Da, da, da. I just have to know that what my priority is and everything that I do after that will support it. So funny enough, because I know that my priority is to keep this job and and I love the flexibility and I respect my position. I just do the things that I just do them. I don't have to do them. I don't need to do them. It's not like piling anything. I enjoy doing them today. It's work. I get paid to do those things and I do them in a timely manner. So um, and when I don't do them in a timely manner, I ask for an extension if I need it or uh, if I get feedback that I need to turn it in at a certain time, I follow the feedback. I don't mind at all. I don't mind at all. They pay me for my, my services. So this is not, they're not asking for much. Okay. So again, not everything is a priority. Not everything is a priority. That's why I ask you to think about what is important to you and everything from there will support every decision you make from that point will support your priorities.
should support your priorities is what I want to say. Okay. Now, an important question is why people don't make important boundaries. And I have it down, narrowed down to one answer. I know you're probably wanting like five fabulous strategies of why people don't follow through with their boundaries, but I've really brought it down to one because nine out of 10, nine out of 10 times, it is probably that one thing. And that is fear. Fear is one of the main reasons why people do not follow through or make boundaries. Even if they know what the right boundary, most people know what it is that they want. Most people, you know, you kind of know what the right thing to do in the situation, but the fears are what hold you back. They're the ones that kind of restrain you. It's, it's your fear and fear isn't a real fear. Fear isn't real. It's based on insecurity, based on the what ifs, based on different cases or scenarios in your head that, uh, you know, would be the worst case scenario. That's what fear is basically. It's not, it's not real. It's fantasy land. It's a delusion, but yet many of us have practiced making the delusion a reality. We behave and act on fear. We know what the right thing to do is. And most of the time we we refuse to do it. Um, and we act like we're confused about what we need to do because we're afraid. And that's, that's definitely human. It is human. Um, in no way I'm going to tell you that it isn't and that you're different somehow. No, no, it is very, very human. And I feel you. But we would like to outgrow the fear. We would like to be able to sift through what is a fact in our brain and what is fear and not jump to fear as a way to resolve a solution, to resolve a situation. Okay. A lot of the times we just train our brain to go straight to the fear as if it's real because it's such an intense feeling. Factual evidence isn't really intense hormone producing situation in our body, but fear certainly is. So it will be much more prominent in our, in our view, in our perception when we're trying to make a decision. So make sure that you keep fear where it belongs and which in, which is mostly in delusion land in fantasy land. And what is the fact? What is my priority? What is it that I, what is the right thing to do is though, those are the questions that keep you away from fear. The decision that you have to make, the boundary that you have to make is not going to be made without fear. No, it's going to be made with the feeling of the fear still there. For example, when I said to my boss, no, I'm not working uh, more than these hours, I made that boundary pretty clear. I verbalized it and I stuck to it, um, even with the fear of, you know what, maybe I won't make enough money. Maybe they'll fire me. Maybe they'll find somebody else, you know? So that's what I mean about outgrowing fear. We got to go just beyond that. Fear shouldn't be our first go-to, like, that's this is the go-to that that helps us make decisions. If you are that person, practice identifying what those fears are and what the facts and priorities that you would like to maintain. So now, my favorite part: what are we going to do about this boundary business? Some of you might be saying, "Well, I, you know, verbalize. I tell people my boundaries, but why isn't it followed through with? Why aren't they respecting it?" And the truth of the matter is, I don't need them to respect it. I need you to respect it. Many of you guys will probably 
want more extensive strategies of how to make a boundary and make it and communicate it effectively or all this other stuff that is not as powerful you guys not as powerful as the st- the one step I'm going to just tell you to do okay that always works always sends the clear crystal clear precise message that you want to send about what is important to you and that is to follow through everything that you say and make a boundary and make a priority needs to be followed through and what i mean by that is for example if you know my husband cheats on me multiple times actually if my husband cheats on me you know one time and i catch him and i'm just like okay fine i i let go of the excuse i i believe the excuse is the next time he cheats on me and I'm just letting it kind of, you know, fester in me. And I'm like, I can't believe it. I'm complaining about him. And I think he's a villain and it's terrible. And I call up five other people and uh, tell them about my business and how this person is terrible and how I'm a victim. And then I go on Facebook and put passive aggressive memes or whatever it is that people do. um, Just so I can kind of, you know, you know, poke at that at that person and hold it against them and complain and complain and complain and complain and complain about them. Oh boy. It just becomes so toxic and it's not real because nobody's holding you hostage in this relationship. But what you're trying to do is control what this person is showing you about themselves. You're trying to control that. Okay. And you think that this person is not respecting your boundaries and etc. which is true. He's not. But in reality, it's you that's not respecting your boundaries. And let me explain why. If those boundaries were that, if that was a priority to you, like nothing else, there's a consequence that happens if this person cheats. And the consequence isn't necessarily something that you would tell them to do. No, it would be a consequence that you would do. For example, if the concept, if, if you tell this person, hey, you know what? you cheat on me one more time, that's it. It's over. There's no trust in this relationship. Then you better do it. You better let go. You better walk out, take your stuff, respect yourself and walk out. And let me tell you why. Because if you stay, the message you're sending is that it's not a priority. You're doing this indirectly. But the message is clear that my self-respect is not a priority. Your loyalty to me is not a priority to me. It's not what I want in a relationship. I can go ahead and just um, keep going. But fear is keeping us mostly there when we're in a relationship like this because it's usually fear of being alone, fear of the unknown, um, fear of never being in a relationship again. Uh, Some people use children as a reason to stay in an abusive or emotionally abusive relationship. Um, but it's, it's, it's not a good reason. And let me tell you why, because if your children were old enough, for example, to say, to know your business and to have known your story of you and, and the marriage, um, they would probably give you different advice. They would say, mom, go, go. I don't want you to stay for us. I don't want you to stay in this abusive relationship for us. You're unhappy and dad is unhappy and you'll take that out on us. And we don't want, we don't want none of that nonsense. I want you to know that the I could have said so many things and wasted your time about how to firmly 
communicate a boundary or blah, blah, blah. But the one thing that always works, people, I don't want to waste your time. The one thing that always works is that you follow through, even with the fear, the fear of the loneliness, fear of not, fear of being rejected, fear of being thought of in a different way, whatever fear you tend to have, you just do the right thing for you. And what is a priority for you with the fear? Okay. The fear isn't real. Um, yeah, I mean, this is such an important discussion that I consistently have, you know, because people will complain about their, their life, their families, their, uh, but what they don't know is that they have a lot of power. They have a lot of power, but they give their power away to their fear. And you labeling your priorities is a wonderful thing because you won't resent the people that you keep giving away your power to later on. You won't resent them. When you make a boundary with them, you'll enjoy them. For example, if I would have um, been afraid and uh, and told my supervisor, yeah, I'll take extra work and, um, you know, I'll just go ahead and, and, and just do what this, this supervisor asks me to do, I later would have resented her. I would have... Um, thought that she was the problem or she made me do it or she pressured me, but it was not real. I'm the one who pressured me. I'm the one who did not voice my boundaries out of fear. I cannot blame or fault her for that. And it's just an example, but you could see how this can apply in your life. If you do not voice, not only just voice, because I'm telling you, talk is cheap. Talk is cheap when it comes to boundaries because action is always crystal clear. It's crystal. There is no room for interpretation when you perform the action that you said you were going to do. Crystal clear. Talk pretty cheap. I'm not negotiating. (laughs) Today, when I make my boundary, it's pretty clear. I just do it. I just do what I'm going to say I'm going to do. That means if I'm going to work these hours, I'm going to only work these hours. If I'm only going to commit to these activities, I'm only going to commit to these activities. And if I need to say no, I say no. I don't worry about the feel bad thing. I don't worry because I'm not there to fix anybody's emotions. And they can tell me no. And I'm so grateful that today I can accept their no's without throwing a tantrum because I am so free to say my no. Does that make sense? When I'm free, they're free too. And it's a beautiful relationship, people beautiful relationship to have. Now you've elevated the quality of your life, the quality of your time, your daily routines, everything that you do is going to be elevated. And that's what we want when it comes to self-transformation, my friends. Thank you so much for joining me today on this discussion on boundaries. And, you know, I always got to remind you that self-awareness, just you being awareness, you being in the know, is enough to get you started on change because you kind of unknow what you know. You'll always have it in your mind. So I'm glad that you got to hear a little bit about boundaries. So even if you don't do anything about them, subconsciously you can count on the message being there because your subconscious is always working and it's always listening. Okay? So thank you again for spending some time with me. This has been Drive Through Therapy. Mm-hmm.